Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Why don't you stand up with us? We're going to worship this morning. We're going to do it with joy.
thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Love the line. Forever free. Think about that. We are not the same.
our champion, God. Thank you that you've conquered it all, that we get to live from a place of victory, seated with you in heavenly places. God, we worship you. Thank you for your presence in this place. We ask for more, God, more of your Holy Spirit. Would you fill this place? Would you blow through this place? God, that's our desire. That's why we're here. For you, God, just for you, to bring you glory. Your word says that we can boldly approach your throne. We come with boldness which translated in the Bible actually means cheerful courage, like a child running to her father. So God, we come and we stand. We stand with you knowing that the dreams and the passions that you've put in our heart, those are your promises. And we delight ourselves in you and you give us the desires of our heart because as we delight in you, our desires become one. Our heart becomes your heart. Our thoughts become your thoughts. So that's our cry today, Jesus. You would blow through this place and that your will would be done. Spirits are rushing with fire of God fall within Holy Ghost breathe on us we pray as we repent to turn from sin revival embers smoldering breath of God fan us into flame we need a fresh way Fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, oh, pour your spirit out. For hearts that burn.
Father, that is our heart cry, that you would pour out your spirit. We know that you dwell within us. We know that when we came, you're here because we came. You came with us. And yet, Lord, there are moments in our own history, in our own history with you, where there is a more generous release, a more generous outpouring of your presence. And, Lord, that is our heart cry, our heart cry. Not that what we have is not enough, but that we simply desire to know you better and to know you more. That is our heart. And so we honor you and we love you. We thank you for the privilege of worship this morning. And Lord, we consecrate everything we do here today from the instruments to the sound and the lighting and the building and one end of the building to the other and everything that we are and who we are, we consecrate. We, we set them apart for your glory, for your use, and we honor you in it. Now lift up our fellowship, our relationship, our connection here today. Father, no one will leave this building as though they are not loved, that they don't belong, God. So I ask for that grace, that outpouring of your spirit to not only draw us close to you, but to draw us closer to one another, Lord. We need each other in the times in which we live. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. My name is Jimmy. I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome you this morning. And sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, I mean this. Thank you for being here today. Every Sunday, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you give up your time to come and worship and be connected, especially after the last year that we've all experienced, there's two things that happen. It's sort of a um, kind of a continental divide, a watershed moment for a lot. Some people have found that staying at home and watching church in their pajamas is awesome. It's amazing. I mean, go right to the refrigerator at any given moment, throw on some Pop-Tarts, and they're good to go. But there's something about being in this atmosphere. There's something that's hard to reproduce over the airwaves. By the way, online family, we love you and adore you. But some of you are in Colorado and California and Idaho and and all over the place. So thank you for joining us today. And I think you would vouch for this. There's something about being there in in the atmosphere and in, in person. But our prayer for you, by the way, if you're watching online, is that what we experience here will somehow transfer and translate into where you live Um, So thank you for joining us. But that's our heart. Our heart is the presence of God. I was sharing with somebody earlier today. They had just come for the first time after watching us online for one year. And I think last Sunday was their first Sunday, so she came and talked to me about it after the first service. And she said, it is different. There's something about being here. She's so she had tears in her eyes. She was getting emotional because she's just so thankful. The watershed is that some will stay home because it's become more easy and convenient and comfortable. But there are others who are desperate, hungry, and thirsty. And uh, hungry and thirsty for what 
we bring as people, and that's relationship and connection. And we say it around here, connection is protection. So there's something powerful about being connected. So that's a long way of saying thank you for being here. I feel like it's a family reunion every weekend. And for new folks, we're so thrilled that you're here. Welcome to our family. You're in. You're already in. You don't have to do anything. You're in. Thank you for being here and for celebrating Jesus with us. I want to share something with you. Um, For those of you watching online, if you have any prayer requests or prayer needs, we want to be here for you. So if you'll see on your screen, you'll see the address there, info at bridgefbg.com. You can send your prayer prayer requests in. And we have a team that that gets emailed out to. We're discreet with all of that, so feel free to share uh, as much as you feel comfortable sharing. But we would love to hear from you, and we're honored to pray with you. And for those of you in-house, we also have this opportunity. If you'll stop by the Connection Center, it's right out the doors on your left as you go out the big doors. That's our Connect Center, and you can stop there. There's a Connect card, and then there's also a card that says prayer, and you can fill that out, and you can either give it to the last person there, or you can put it in any of the black boxes that you see around the building. That'll get out to our prayer team, because we want to pray for you. We want to hold you up. We also want to welcome our first-time guests and say thank you for being here, and if you're new to the bridge, then you probably feel like you jumped on a moving train this morning. You kind of did. That's good. So, Man, just fasten your seatbelt and let's ride together and enjoy the ride together. But thank you for being here. If it is your first time, we always welcome our first-time guests with a hand clap. So can we welcome our first-time guests? Yeah. Amen. Thanks. We also have a little gift for you if you are a first-time guest. We'd love to bless you with this. This is uh, Wendy's got that. That's a little gift bag we put together. It's got all kinds of goodies in it. And it's just to say thank you for being with us and hanging out with us. And so, <laughs> Vanna. Vanna Hearn. So, uh, so thanks for being with us. If you'll stop by the Connect Center and uh, just fill out a Connect card, they'll give you a bag and, and you'll have some stuff. And we just want to say that's our way of saying thanks just by offering a gift. So, again, thank you for being here. I want to turn our attention to prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so we want to take some time to pray. And if you have a, a VIP card, it's a good time to take it out. If you don't, then you can pick one up. We've kind of got them everywhere. We've got some on the stage. We've got some on the tables over here, on the tables back there. And and then at the Connect Center and all over the place, you'll see them. It says VIP. It stands for a very important person. And these are people that God has imprinted on your heart because they're very important to him. They're important to us because they're important to him. It's enough so that he would put them on our heart. All we do is transfer who's on our heart onto a card. And it's a bookmark that which reminds us to pray for them through the week. I keep mine handy. Uh, where I can get my eyes on it often. This one happens to be blank because I'm up here in front of all y'all. So uh, so I want to pray for our those that are on there. There's 14 blanks, seven on each side. One side, we're praying for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And then on the other side, we're praying for those who maybe are disconnected for whatever reason, that they will come home, so to speak, and reconnect with the Lord. Sounds like the airport's busy over there. So... Um, so I want to pray for them, but also we have the privilege of, we pray for one church every week. During the pandemic, we prayed for everybody, but we're going back down our list because it's such a privilege to stand in the place of praying for other churches in our community. We, we want to be their biggest fans, their biggest cheerleaders, and come alongside 
in the trenches, the foxhole, so to speak, and hold their arms up in the battle. And so we're going to be praying for Pastor Tommy and Kathy Russell at Fredericksburg Church. So we want to hold those guys up. I've met with Pastor Tommy for coffee several times. He's a great brother in the Lord, has a heart for evangelism, missions, and discipleship, very near and dear to my heart. And then he also um, uh, is a part of the Glispie County Ministerial Association, so we see each other there as well. And so we want to lift he and his family up in Fredericksburg Church. And also, always, we want to pray for our nation. Why? Because the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. Amen? So let's take a moment to pray. Father, what a privilege it is to pray for these very important people. You've put them on our heart. That's why we put them on a card, because they mean a lot. And we care for them. We care for not only their reconnect with you, but for some, a first-time connect with you. We pray, God, for their hearts to be turned to Jesus. And if you would so choose to use us to do it, we, we want to be there. But maybe you have other people intersecting their lives and you're orchestrating connections to turn them to Christ, Lord. And we ask that you would do that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up Pastor Tommy and Kathy Russell at Fredericksburg Church. I thank you for Tommy's heart, his passion for evangelism and seeing lost people come to Jesus. We hold them up. We stand in the foxhole with them, holding their arms up in the middle of the battle. And, Lord, we say more grace, more peace. Bless them, encourage them, increase them. Blow that church up in the name of Jesus, Lord. Do they have to to go to multiple services and build a bigger building, Lord? Fill them up. Bless them, Lord, we pray. And, Father, for our nation, we are a nation in crisis, and we need your help. We need your help to break down every dividing wall and barrier between people, politically and otherwise. We ask for your grace. We pray for our leaders. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Thank you for praying with me. Our safety team always appreciates it when I point out the exits. So just so you can see, there are exits over there by the main doors there. There's exit out those double doors right there as well. And there's one on the other side of the sound booth. And there's even one behind here, actually on this side, on this side behind here. So that we just want you to know where things are. And uh, it's just good to know that, right? So thank you. We appreciate our safety team. Can we bless our safety team with a hand clap? Some of you know them, most of you don't, and that's a good thing. So they don't, y'all don't need to know who it is. Just know we're, just know we're in good hands. And, uh, and we don't call 911 here. I'm just kidding. Just a joke. It's a Fredericksburg thing. Um, also, ministry highlight. We want to highlight our awesome production team. So I want everybody to turn in your seat and look at the board back there, the booth back there. Production team, wave at everybody. I tell them this, not to put pressure on them, but they are the real worship leaders in the church. <laughs> They're the ones who keep the words on the screen and everything going, and microphones working, everything. They, they do all that, and there's so much that you don't see, and there's a lot of moving parts back there. Now, if you were to just walk back and step into the booth, it would look like the cockpit of a 747. I'm just saying, because we've got the production side of it, the broadcast side, sound side, all the media. So there's a lot of moving parts. But here's the good news. Anybody who can turn their computer on can possibly be taught and trained how to be a part of that team. And they are a team, and they are a group, and they're amazing. But we need some help back there. So if you have a proclivity toward technology to some degree, now if you still use Juno as your email address or AOL, 
probably not your, your area. But, um, but for those of us who've come a little further down the line, uh, listen, we would love to have your help and love to have you back there. And uh, Pastor Russ is a phenomenal coach, trainer, teacher. And listen, the idea is you come along and you observe. So you, can, you don't even have to come do anything, just come watch. So if you'll let Pastor Russ know, he'd love to have some, some more folks back there. And he'll, he'll show you train you and give you an easy on-ramp into production. I got to tell you, it's one of the best seats in the house besides this one because they get to see everything and they get to participate and enjoy worship even in the midst of keeping things moving. So if you're interested in that, reach out to Pastor Russ. He'd love to have you. And uh, so, yeah. So one last announcement. On May 5th, which is a Wednesday at 6.30 right here, we're going to pack this place out for a night of worship and celebration. Amen. We do these every once in a while. You've been asking, several of you said, when are we doing the next night of worship? And we're like, well, we'll just, let's do it. So we did, and we can't wait because it's one of the favorite things that we do. We do a solid hour, 15 minutes of just pure worship and going after God. We might turn it up one or two louder, just a, a FYI. So it's a blast. The energy in the room is crazy. Now, here's a great time to invite friends. Maybe you want to get somebody out to church, but maybe Sunday mornings a little too intimidating or whatever, but how about a Wednesday night just for a night of worship? Super casual, enjoyable, have fun. Now, here's the deal. We're never, ever looking to get people from other churches. We wouldn't be praying for other churches for God to bless them if we were trying to get people from them here, from there here. But there are opportunities where certain churches do things because there's favor on them. That's the lane they run in. Ours happens to be worship. We're passionate about worship. But there may be somebody attending another church that that's not their lane. And that's okay. Every church is different. That's the whole beauty of the body of Christ. But maybe they would enjoy this or maybe seeing a fresh expression of worship that they've not experienced. They've heard these songs on the radio or on Sirius or whatever, and they've thought, wow, I wonder what that would sound like live, and we're doing that. So that would be a great time to bring them out so that we can come together not just as Bridge Church, but as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And again, the idea is not to get them here to come here. It's to get them here to celebrate Jesus together. Does that make sense? Are we good on that? I want to be clear about that. So anyway, it would be a great night to invite some of your friends out and come and have a great time. So we'll keep announcing that and uh, looking forward to that. We're going to turn our attention now to communion. John Eldridge, well, let me just say this. If you did not pick up a cup, we will invite you right now. If you would raise your hand, we will get a cup to you. This is for communion. And if you've never taken communion or this is your first time here, we practice open communion here at the bridge. So I figured Jesus' table was pretty open. So we keep it open as well. So feel free to participate with us, even if you've never done it before. This would be a great time to start. And so if you'll keep your hand up, we will get these cups to you. I see Don's coming down the line. We've got guys over here. I see Amy, the guys. Oh, we've got help over there. Great. So they're coming your way, but they'll look for you. Just wave at them like you're at a baseball game and trying to get a pickle or something. So remember those? Or a corn dog. Woohoo. So a couple of years ago, John Eldridge, who runs Wild at Heart Ministries up in Colorado, wrote Wild at Heart many years ago. He's one of my favorite, one of my favorite ministers right now. It just has been had a big impact on my life over the last few years. He came out two years ago with a, an app for your phone called the One Minute Pause. And what it is, it's just an opportunity to just breathe, <laughs> take a pause, 
and acknowledge a few things. And in that, you can get that on iOS or Android. So whatever your preference is, do find that, the one-minute pause. And there's several formats for it, one minute, three minute, five, and ten. And in that, he starts off by saying a simple line. He says, I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give everyone and everything to you. I mean, what a great way to to wind down, right? Just let it go. Release. Calls it benevolent detachment or detaching. I give everyone and everything to you, God. But the next line arrests me as well. It is, Lord, I thank you and I celebrate my union with you. Now, union's not a word we just throw around all the time, right? It's kind of different. Maybe sounds a little religious, but it's a great word. In fact, if you break down the word communion, it literally means common union. So when we take communion, we're actually celebrating our union with Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, I'm pressing pause on the drama of life, and I'm celebrating my union with you. Thank you for my union with you, Jesus. Union with him, connection, fellowship. Union works a little bit like this. If you've been married to your spouse for a while, some of you can finish their sentences whether they want you to or not, right? Let's just be real. Sometimes you can finish their thoughts. Or if you're a guy, we've grown very adept at reading the looks that our wives give us. Amen? One look, that's a paragraph, right? Right? Annette, you're looking at me. I just got two paragraphs. I'm just playing, totally playing. But that's union. That's when you know somebody so well that even the nuance of a look or the inflection of a word says something. That's what it's like getting to know Jesus at a deeper level as you grow towards maturity and you grow in your relationship with him. I don't want to be a religious person who just goes to church, checks the box, and goes home. I want to know him. I want to get a look from him that's two paragraphs or three or four. And when I catch that, I want to know it. I want to know him so well that I see him. I hear him in a baby's cry in church. I hear him in that. That's life, new life, potential. A whole world in front, even when they're screaming like that. Full of life, full of life. It's a beautiful thing. You can find him in that. You can find him in anything. Why? Because you're in union with him. So today I want to invite you to simply pause and thank him for your union with him, your relationship with him. And then I want to ask you to take it one step further. Ask a favor. Say, Father, I want to get to know Jesus better. Would you help me to do that? We're going to take communion over that. When Jesus was with his disciples, he captured a moment. It's the night before he was betrayed, just before he went to the cross. They had been walking together, doing life together for three years. They saw everything. They witnessed miracles. They witnessed people being healed. They witnessed him shutting the mouths of religious leaders with a sentence or a question. They saw it all. They saw Lazarus 
be raised from the dead. They saw children sitting in his lap and playing on him like a, like a monkey bar set at the playground, and he loved every second of it. They saw it all, so they were with him on that last night. And he took a piece of bread, so if you would, you can open this. Just peel the top layer first, then the gold layer. If I can do this like this, you can do this safely. He took a piece of bread. And he said, this is my body given for you. Not taken, given. Not broken, given. He gave himself. Then he took up a common cup, like you see on the screen. It had wine in it, and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the remission of many sins. The word remission means removal. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed your iniquity. It's a long way. He said, when you come together like this, I want you to remember me. That's what we're doing right now. We're remembering our union with him and asking for more. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for our union with you. Jesus, thank you for teaching us about the nuances of your character, your heart, your personality. We want to know more so that when we see you and we hear you, in the midst of a busy day, we can recognize your voice, recognize that look, recognize a moment that's saturated with your presence. We love you, we honor you, we celebrate our union with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the element. you would hang on to those and at the end of the service just take them out with you like my dad used to say pack it in pack it out and so you didn't pack it in we gave them to you but do do if you would just take those out and toss them on your way out we appreciate it our team appreciates that we want to now dismiss our children to go to their bridge kids classes and uh, you see Lori over there so she's like the pod piper over there so our children we want to pray over you before you go to class so if you would join me in prayer father in the name of Jesus we lift up the next generation We thank you for the destiny that is in them and upon them. And God, we ask that you would guard their destiny and that we as a church family would steward their destiny well. We pray for our teachers and our leaders. Bless them. Anoint them, Lord, with power as they minister to our children. We bless them. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. Can we clap for our children as they head to class? They head that way. Amen. We want to talk about generosity now and giving. Uh, If you'll notice, we don't have plates around here, but you'll notice there's black boxes all on the doors, and there's one over there as well. And so if you came prepared to give, we would ask that you give in any of those boxes. We're going to do a song together and worship and enjoy that. And as we're doing that, you'll be dismissed to go give. Many of you are giving online. I want to say thank you for that. That really helps us, and many of you started doing that during the pandemic, and we would appreciate it if you'd keep doing that because that helps us. It's a better way to track things. So, But if you came prepared to give, we just want to encourage you during the song to find one of those black boxes, and you can give there. And again, thank you. I also want to give an update. We're sending our students to camp, and the good news is is we can send all of our students to camp because of what you did last week. Amen. 
So we did a fundraiser last week, and the good news is you did exactly what I asked you to do. First of all, you gave big. Second of all, you took all the food. In fact, so much that there was none left by the time we all got back there. So we had to go back next door and bless uh, AJ and them at Backwoods Barbecue. So, but listen, that is a great problem to have because Jason was afraid he, he had made too much. So you proved him wrong. Thank you. Listen, we raised... A, 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 our total on that was $7,800 just last weekend for our student ministry. Amen. Clap. That's a good thing. Thank you. Thank you. Now, total, I mean, they've, they've been, even before that, we were, we, I've been requesting you give, and you have, and it's over $11,000 that we've raised to send those students and those uh, sponsors to camp. And they're going up to camp in, in mid-July. We want to be praying for them, blessing them. We'll keep you posted as things ramp up because we want to cover them in prayer. We want them to have an encounter with Jesus. Amen? That's, that's fresh and new. So thank you for supporting that. And in terms of support, I also want to say thank you for your regular tithes and offerings that you continue to be generous with and give. You are such a blessing to all of us. You may notice there's some work going on around here. Uh, that office that was over there, which was my office, has completely disappeared as though it never existed. It's a little bizarre when I walk in now. That was my office. I gave it up because I wanted it. We needed more room in here. And then also, if you're back where our offices were, all of our staff gave up our offices to make more room for the children and student ministry back there. And then we are also about to start a project. It's going to be a big deal. Many of you that have been here the whole time, you may remember there was talk early on about putting the stage over here at the highest point of the peak where you could come in the back end of the worship center. Well, we're about to rotate this thing a full quarter turn. Those walls will be gone, and we're going to go back. So we'll have 700 seats available. And I think for a season, maybe not for long, we may actually be able to meet for one service at some point and for a while, but we're just not going to make that a long-term deal because we believe God's bringing more. Amen. So we're scaling for the growth that we are now experiencing. And so be praying with us as we make good decisions and we steward well the blessings that God's given us. And if we can figure out how to take these poles out, amen, that's a good thing. And it, we're working on that. There is a solution. So just to give you a little update and a little heads up, I'll be sharing more as details come out. We're starting the preliminary procedures on that. All of our elders and uh, bridge team are involved, board of directors. Everybody's like, go, run with the vision. So that's what we're doing. So there would be a day when you will get to walk into the very back of the worship center instead of the middle. So, amen? Just good stuff. All right, as we get ready to, to give, would you stand with me, bow your heads. Let's pray. Let's thank God. We have so many ministries that we're blessed to support. You can see some pictures up there of things that are going on. God's blessing, family. God is blessing. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that we get to be a part of what you're up to. We join you in the work that you're doing. Jesus, you said that my father's been working from, from all the way up until now. He's still working. So we want to join you in that work. We do that through our giving. Thank you for the privilege. We honor you in it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's worship.
Lord, we honor you, and this is our confession. You're our one defense. You're our righteousness, and we need you, and we love you. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts that we may know the truth that makes us free. We honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. You can be seated and turn your attention to the screen.
autonomics. I love that. So I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to kick off with something. I want to talk about today the beatitude in terms of mercy. And we're going to, the title of today's message, if I was to title it, would be Mercy Moves. And I think you'll understand why that's a critical distinction about sometimes we see mercy as a passive thing when, in fact, it is a very active thing. And I want to show that to you from the Scriptures. But first, I have to set up something. I have to tell you a story. Believe it or not, I was kind of a rascal when I was in high school. I know it's a shock to your system to believe that Pastor Jimmy might have been a little on the wild side. So I'm going to tell a story. Some of you have heard this, just so you'll know, but there's many of you here that haven't. So this will give you a little glimpse into the past that Jesus saved me from. And so when I was in high school, I went to a small school, to Post High School, the bold gold antelopes up in the Texas panhandle between the big city of Snyder and Lubbock. So, I mean, it was right in the middle there in Garza County. I grew up in Lubbock, but my dad had this dream of living in the country. So moved us out in the middle of nowhere up on top of the Caprock. And uh, I went from a large school, but it would have been going to Lubbock High School, and ended up going to Post High School, which had 69 in my graduating class. Come on, somebody. Talk about culture shock. I, I, had to, I had to learn what Crest Wranglers were and Justin Ropers real quick. And so, uh, you know, it's just the life. It's a different life total. But here's the thing. I loved it because I got to do everything. I mean, I would have been playing one sport. I would have been playing baseball at Lubbock High School. That's what I would. I was dream. That's my whole dream growing up to play baseball at Lubbock High School, or even Monterey under Coach Bobby Magel. But that didn't work out. So I was going to be in in Lubbock High. But when I moved to Post, I got to do everything, everything. And so here I am in Post. I'm playing football, basketball, tennis, running track, doing two a days, and then summer would hit, and it's baseball on and then you started all over in August with two a days for football again. So I mean it was just this continuous it was actually amazing. I loved it. Now in a small town, if there's not trouble, you just invent it. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about? My parents were so so we gotta get Jimmy out of the big city because there's just so many things to get in trouble. It was actually worse going to a small town because we just made it up. That was even worse. So here I am, a junior in high school. I didn't make varsity my junior year, so I was a junior in high school. So I played in the marching band. Come on, somebody. Have any band folk out there? I played a trumpet. Yeah, come on. It's here for the band folks. So I played trumpet. Now, I was on JV, so we played on Thursday. So Friday night was reserved for varsity. So my senior year, or my junior year, here I am, I'm playing in band. I got that super heavy-duty wool uniform. Remember those? What? Who, who made those up? I mean, we're talking hot. And uh, so I had my uniform. So Friday afternoon rolls around, and we're going to be playing against Friendship, which is out by Lubbock. And so it's, you know, it's a good hour-ish drive, not quite, 45 minutes. And uh, so at the time, I had a 69 Chevelle Super Sport. Come on, somebody. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, that was the muscle car. You know what I'm saying? So I had that car, and so all my friends, guess who they wanted to hang out with and ride around, right? So we'd fill that car up with 15 kids. It was crazy. It was mayhem. And thank God for his grace. Amen? So it was pre-Jesus. Let me just clarify real quickly as I go down to this road. So, uh, so we were going to be going to play against friendship, which meant 
uh, we were to meet at the band hall on Friday afternoon to get our instrument, get it loaded on the bus. Then we would load up on about three or four of those yellow dog school buses, the one that, you know, smell like carbon monoxide constantly and wonder why we have breathing issues now. So that was those. So, and then we would, we'd all ride to the game together. And that was just the, the way you did it. My best friends who loved my car, we all got together right after high school, and somebody said, let's go get some beer. So I said, because I'm so righteous, I said, well, I'm driving. I don't think that's a good idea, but I'll go ahead and take you to get it. So we went and got beer. We got a, at least a case. There's probably more than that. And uh, we were big spenders, too. It's probably old Milwaukee. Um, so we, here we are. These guys were riding around. We're listening to Bad Company, Boston, Kiss, you name it. We're rocking out. We're having a great time on my eight-track tape player. Come on, somebody. That was bolted to the metal dashboard. You know what I'm saying? Back when cars were real cars, and they weighed 7 million pounds. And so uh, here we were, and we were doing what we did. We drove around the drag, cruised the school, you know, just typical stuff. And then I was like, oh, no, I've got to go to get on the bus to go to the, to the you know, ride to the game. And the guys, my friends, being the good friends they are, said, hey, Jimmy, why don't we just drive your car to the game? And, in fact, we'll write a note from your mom saying that you have permission to drive to the game. I thought, man, these guys are so awesome. What a great idea they came up with. So I will say I was a little under the influence, so that probably sounds a lot crazier to y'all than it did at the time. But I thought, this is a great idea. We'll drive to the game, have a great time. So we pull up to the band hall, and a friend of mine had written a note from my mom. Uh, I, I would almost love to have that note today just to read it. But we gave it to a friend to give to the band director, Mr. Jimmy Stringer. And we said, let Mr. Stringer know that, that Jimmy's mom gave him permission to drive his car to the game. I'm sure we made up something. So, so we gave off the note, and then we, we got on the road. And, man, we were having, oh, an amazing time driving. Uh, thinking about it, it's like crazy, but we just had a big time. We get there, I mean, you know, I see the buses are pulled up there. Man, the big lights are on, the smell of corn dogs and pickles and all. I mean, popcorn, you know, it's, it's game time, right? And I get out of my car, I put on my, my uniform, I bounce up into the stands, sit down with my friends, and it dawns on me, I never loaded my instrument on the bus. Could someone say busted? And I'm sitting there in the sands thinking, how am I going to explain this? How can I get out of this? And I had a moment, and I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit works in people before they're saved. Do you? I had a moment where I had this lightning thought of, go tell Mr. Stringer what you did. And what's interesting is I, I listened to that voice. And so all my friends that are such good friends, you know what I'm saying? You remember those friends? They're like, oh, dude, he's going to kill you. You're going to get ground. You're going to get suspended. You're gonna, Coach Gideon's going to give you licks. I mean, supportive, you know. It might as well have been Job's friend. You know what I'm saying? The supportive kind. And then Job's wife, you know, just curse God and die. I think I had one of those friends. So they're all telling me this stuff, and I'm just like, man, you got to shut up. And I, I, I got up. 
this is like within the first 20, 30 minutes of the game. You know, I go down there to tell Mr. Stringer, the band's in the middle of a song. I have no instrument. I'm, I'm not in my right mind. I'll just go that far. And, and they were playing a song when I got down there. It was probably The Horse. Anybody remember that song from high school? Da-da-da-da. Remember that? That was like a trumpet's dream right there. So I go down there, no instrument. I'm inebriated, and I say, Mr. Stringer, I need to talk to you. And he's like, you know, directing the band. He's like, uh, well, let me finish this song. He says, he says, meet me in 15 minutes on the bus. Because I had leaned over and whispered to him, I lied to you. I don't have my instrument, and I've been drinking, and I drove my own car. I made all this while the song's going. Yeah, and he's going, he goes, I'll meet you on the bus in 15 minutes. So I go back up in the stands. You know, the band's playing. My friends have their instruments. I'm, I'm just standing there looking really, and they're like, oh, you're going to be in so much trouble. I mean, they were so supportive. They were supportive when they wanted me to drive my car, but they weren't so supportive when I was going to do the right thing. And that's a reality in life, family. And so we sat on the bus, and I'm sitting in one, you know, those, remember those seats, those vinyl-covered seats that would be 180 degrees when you sat on them in the summer? I was sitting on one of those, and he was sitting right across, and I thought, here it comes. I'm done. Not to mention what's going to happen when my dad, the firefighter, finds out. And so I'm sitting there, and Mr. Stringer, he looked at me, he said, well, Jimmy, he says, let me tell you something. I thought, here I go. I'm done. History. My life's over. A little dramatic as a teenager. My life's going to end tonight. And he said, let me tell you about somebody. And he proceeds to share the gospel with me. I mean, I'm like left to it. I mean, where did that come from? He shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with this drunk kid who totally blew it. Comedy of errors totally blew it. And I'm sitting there, and he shares Jesus with me. That is not what I deserved. And I knew full well. I knew enough to know what I deserved. And what Mr. Jimmy Stringer did for me was extend mercy and grace at the same time. See, mercy and grace are kind of a hand-in-glove kind of thing. You don't see one without the other present, and I'll explain that in a moment. He extended mercy to me, and I remember sitting there with my chest beating because the Holy Spirit was talking to me. The same Holy Spirit that whispered in the stands, go tell him what you did, was sitting with me on that bus knocking on my heart's door. That was my junior year. For the next year and a half, Let's just say Mr. Stringer had some leverage on me. You know what I'm saying? He didn't report me, but I knew he could have, and I knew he still could. So me and Mr. Stringer became best friends. Right before lunch was band class, which meant we would, you know, go out of band class, jump in our car, spin three donuts in the parking lot, and then go eat somewhere, right? He gave me for the next year and a half a gospel tract Every five days a week, I got a gospel track from Mr. Stringer. 
I don't know where he got all that. I mean, he had tons of them. Because what happened is I would get in my car and throw them in the, in the big metal glove compartment. And they were huge, too. I mean, you could, you could fit, a, fit a small calf in there. I mean, they were big. And I threw it every, for the next year and a half. We'd be riding around on a Friday or Saturday night with my friends, and guess what inevitably would happen? Somebody would open that door, open that, that glove compartment, and out would come 20, 30, 40, 50. They grew. It got bigger and bigger. I never threw them away. I always just tossed them in there. And every once in a while, when I had a moment where I was waiting in line at Dairy Queen or wherever, Holly's Drive-In, there in Post, wherever, waiting for my burger, I would make sure nobody was looking, and I would open that up, and I would read. By the end of my senior year of high school, I knew the gospel because I'd read it over and over and over. I knew all the cartoons around it. I knew all the, the bubbles and what they said because God used Mr. Stringer to minister to me for that year and a half, but it started with mercy when he didn't give me what I deserved. That is the definition of mercy. Let's see what Jesus says about mercy in the Beatitudes. If you remember, Jesus is on the ridge. His disciples come to him, and he sits down to teach them, and his fame had begun to grow, his popularity. So there were a lot of people sitting there on the shore of the Lake of Galilee, close to to Capernaum where you could look out from this ridge over the sea or the lake of Galilee. And it was actually the place, scholars believe, it was actually the place where Jesus would go to be alone with God to pray. When he would go to the wilderness, when he would go to barren places, it was this ridge, it was his familiar place. And from that ridge, he begins to speak and he gives what's known as the Beatitudes. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountaintop. Now I'm going to skip. He sat down. His disciples came to him. He opens his mouth and taught them, saying, now I'm going to skip to verse 7. In verse 7, he says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. A lot of times we think mercy means that I feel sorry for something. For example, when that commercial comes on TV, when Sarah McLaughlin's singing that song and they show those puppies behind bars, am I the only man in here who cries when that commercial comes on? I can't get to my remote fast enough sometimes. I'm just saying, I'm a crier when it comes to this stuff. And I'm just like, ugh, honey, do we, can we get another dog? Or three. I mean, it's just because you feel so sorry for them. Let me just say something. That's not mercy. That's having your gut wrenched with compassion, which is an element of mercy. Mercy is like a jewel that's multifaceted. And depending on what angle you see it from, or depending on your vantage point, it'll look different. It'll say something different. So mercy is multifaceted. But let me tell you what mercy always ultimately ends in. Mercy moves. Mercy moves. So mercy, true mercy isn't the feeling of compassion. It's actually the action. You are moved to do something. Mercy moves us. Jesus says, 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The definition in Hebrew means loving kindness, grace, goodness, steadfast love, faithfulness, mercy. There's it, part of it. Goodness, devotion. In the Greek language, it means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted. Oh, has God not shown us mercy? Oh, he just releases it to us. And listen to this. Joined with a desire to help. That's the movement. Mercy moves. Real mercy, authentic mercy, biblical mercy means that you not only feel compassion, but you're now compelled to do something about what you are moved on or who you are moved toward. Grace, just in the simple definition, grace is when you get what you do not deserve. Hey, God's grace gives you strength, gives you power, gives you favor, gives you authority so that you can do what you cannot in and of yourself do. That's grace. It's something that is given to you as a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God. That's grace. Now, mercy, they're nuanced. And remember, hand in glove, they work together. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. When you don't get Mercy on a very, very small level, I just saw Terry Brooks over here reminded me, is when a police officer pulls you over and you know good and well you were speeding and you decide not to throw out, but they were going fast, you know, that kind of stuff. But what about them? No, you say, you know what, I own that. I, yeah, I was, you're right. I wasn't paying attention. I was speeding. And they issue you a warning instead of a ticket that's going to cost you 97 bucks or a class or whatever you have to do. Voice of experience. Mercy is that officer saying, I'm going to let you off with a warning. That's one level of mercy. That's one level of you didn't get what you deserved. You deserved a ticket. You deserved to have to pay for that, but you didn't. That's a very... Very small level. Listen to this, Romans 3.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. In other words, that's what we deserve, but God. Come on, somebody. But God shows up and says, I love you so much. I'm going to extend both grace and mercy. You're going to get what you didn't earn, and you're not going to get what you deserve, grace and mercy. And he gives it to us freely. And we get to go to heaven. We get to party for eternity. Come on, somebody. We get to enjoy all of the benefits that that means for in this lifetime now. Because remember, we've defined blessed over the last few weeks. It literally means a state of happiness now, not someday. I'm not waiting to get to Beulah land before I get happy in Jesus. We get to enjoy him now. And forever. Amen? Now and forever. Now, there's a beautiful story. There was a Roman centurion. If you've been keeping up with anything I've said in terms of Gentiles, Romans, Roman centurion was like the meanest Gentile on the planet because he was over a hundred foot soldiers. So a Roman centurion was no lightweight. 
man, they were a heavyweight, and they were a part of what I've called the hammer of Rome. If you'll remember, Israel was under Roman rule during the first century during Jesus' time. And they were mean, and they were brutal, and they didn't come in and say, hey, we would like to occupy your land. If you'll behave, we'll just all get along. No, they came in with an iron fist. And they wielded their swords, I mean, without any kind of, no restraint. They were brutal. And they came in and they dominated. And a Roman centurion finds out that Jesus is in the area. Now, a couple of things can happen here. That Roman centurion can go find him out and say, you know what, I think... I think our our governor's been looking for this guy because we've heard about him. He's a usurper. He is a disruptor. But here's what this Roman centurion did. He had a servant who was sick. He was literally paralyzed and oppressed. And he sent a delegation, actually two Jewish elders. Wait a minute. He sent two Jewish elders. So, we already know he had a relationship, a favorable relationship with Jewish people, which is almost unheard of from a Roman, especially a military man, a centurion. He sends a delegation to Jesus and says, my servant is sick. Could you heal them? Jesus starts to go to the man's house, and he gets word, and he stops him and says, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. What? A Gentile? A soldier? Not just a foot soldier, but a, a one over a legion, over a hundred, a century, centurion, a hundred, over a hundred soldiers says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. He says, listen, I am a man under authority. I recognize and understand authority. Do you know in the book of Luke, and Matthew gives one view of this, where Matthew doesn't include the fact that there were messengers that were sent. Not unusual. They just assumed that. But here's what happens in the, in the Luke account. Now, you have to understand. Can I just share something real quick? This will help you read the Gospels. Luke was a physician, a linear thinker, and very highly detailed. He wrote the book of Acts. Luke dovetails nicely into the book of Acts. So when you think of the book of Acts, think of Dr. Luke, the physician. Probably couldn't read his handwriting, but he wrote, you know, prolifically, right? So you've got him doing that, but you've got Matthew, who was much more linear, much more to the point, just the facts, Jack. And so he wrote, is that mine? It could be, you never know. So he he wrote in a, in a, in a more linear fashion, and he wrote the, the shorter abbreviated versions, just the fact, Jack. Then you got Mark. He's the sports center highlight reel. He's the action guy. He wrote all about movement, 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 the miracles, movement. Then you have the gospel of John. John wrote as one who was a best friend with Jesus because he saw himself as Jesus' best friend. He even said the disciple whom Jesus loved, called himself that over and over through. He wrote from the heart. Each gospel bringing a different facet telling the same story from a different vantage point. That's why sometimes they don't read exactly the same, no more than if each of us was to see a car wreck and then we gave our report and recounted the details of the car wreck. It would depend on your vantage point. That's why the Gospels 
are, are a little bit different or they have a different take. It's the different set of eyes. So Luke sets this up and says this, that the messengers came and thanked Jesus and said to Jesus that this centurion is worthy to have this done because he not only gives us favor, he even built our synagogue. That's how much this Jewish person, this non-Jewish person, this Gentile person understood about the Messiah, about Jesus. He understood and gave honor and preference to Jewish law and to Jewish culture and to Jewish understanding. He was a sympathizer. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus speaks out of his own experience. I want to share just that, that scripture. Listen to this. Verse 10 in Matthew chapter uh, 8, he says this. This is Jesus' response. Now, when Jesus heard this, this is after the centurion sends word, look, I'm a man under authority. I tell people to go, they go. I'll tell them to come, they come. I understand. All you have to do is say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, when Jesus heard this, he had marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. This is Jesus saying this non-Jew, Gentile, a representative of the oppressive and dangerous hammer of Rome has greater faith than anyone I've seen in all of Israel. And Jesus said to the centurion in verse 13, go. It shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. The kind of mercy, remember our, our beatitude is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, how was the centurion merciful? He built a synagogue for the Jewish people in his community. He was a sympathizer. He understood messianic prophecy. That means he was probably one who read the scriptures and understood. We don't know any backstory on that. I can't imagine developing one. It would be amazing of how he came to be sympathetic to the Jewish people and believed their prophecies. He showed mercy through his sympathy, through his grace for them and with them and his relationship to them and the fact that he believed that Jesus was who he said he was. You know what's remarkable to me about this story? Not that the centurion's servant got healed, but that Jesus has a knack. I don't know if you're seeing a pattern here, but Jesus tends to bypass the very people we think he would have gone to, which would be the religious rulers, the religious leaders, and the religious people of Israel, instead of going to them, he goes to a Samaritan woman at a well. And unbeknownst to her, she's going to become the first evangelist in the history of the kingdom because she gets to announce Jesus' public ministry for the first time. Jesus has a knack for going to the wrong kinds of people to get this thing done. He goes to a, he takes a Roman centurion and tells him, I've not seen any faith like this in all of Israel. A Gentile. A Gentile. There's a pattern here, family. 
Mary, Martha, Lazarus, his friends that lived in Bethany, the one that got raised from the dead, they were common villagers. They were in culture a nobody of nobodies. But guess who Jesus spent the most time with? Guess who Jesus considered his best friend? Lazarus. Do you see a pattern here? If you're sitting here thinking, I'm not worthy, I can relate to that centurion because I'm not worthy. I don't have it all together. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. In fact, I can't even imagine Jesus darkening the door of my house. Some of you are Christians, and you still think you're not worthy to have what you have in Christ. And it's because you haven't understood one of the basic pieces of the gospel. What he gives, he gives freely because he loves you, period. Not because of your behavior or your lack thereof or your holiness or your lack thereof or your righteousness or your lack thereof. He just sees you, and he sees somebody that he gave his life for. He reached down to this kid, this drunk kid on a yellow dog school bus and said, man, that boy Jimmy messed up big time. Oh, boy. Comedy of errors right here. He's going to get a whooping from Coach Gideon. That's the worst. He's going to get a whooping from his dad. That's second worst, maybe first, depending on what day I catch him on. He, he's going to be suspended from school He's going to be mocked, ridiculed, embarrassed, humiliated. His, t- his teachers are going to shake their heads in disappointment. No, I love that kid. I love that kid. So I'm going to send Jimmy Stringer, by the way, who was studying to be a minister and has been a pastor for many years since then. He, that's what he did. After teaching band, he, he went in, to Juneau, Alaska. Ooh, Alaska. He went to Juneau, Alaska, and served for many years faithfully leading a church. So I'm going to send Jimmy Stringer into Jimmy Pruitt's life, and I'm going to show him mercy. I'm going to show him what I look like through Mr. Stringer. So if you're here and you think you don't have it, and you're not good enough, and you're not worthy enough, and you don't have what it takes, let me tell you something. You are the best material for God to use to advance the kingdom in our time. Why? Because if he does it through you, you won't take the glory because you know. You know. The reason he didn't do it through the religious leaders is because they thought they were the ones that were going to usher it in. And their pride and their arrogance robbed them of an incredible inheritance. You are the best material through which God can use. You and your bruised, scarred, open wound, broken self. God wants to use you because he loves you. But first, he needs to give you some mercy. And here's the request. This is what requirement is. The only thing he requires when he gives out mercy is that we turn and give it away that we turn and give it to somebody else. I want to invite our worship team to come up here, and I'm going to invite you where you're sitting. Would you bow your heads? In the tradition of Jimmy Stringer, who became a Southern Baptist pastor, I'm going to do this in the tradition of a Southern Baptist. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just for a moment. Then we're going to go out with some worship.
Can I pray for us? I'm going to invite you to do something while you're sitting there. Just for a moment, just ask, say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to take away from this? Teach me. Holy Spirit, what do I need to take away from this? What are you teaching me about mercy? I want to say this because I feel like this is something I have to say right now. Some of you need to have mercy for yourself because you're so hard on yourself. You're so disappointed in yourself. You're so frustrated with yourself. You need to have some mercy for you, some compassion for you. He has it. If he has compassion for you, why shouldn't you have some compassion for you, some mercy for you? Because let me tell you something. When you have mercy for yourself, you're wide open to have it for others. Wide open. Lord Jesus, lift up my friends, my family, those watching online today. And I'm asking God that we would have our hearts so wide open to receive your mercy. Join me in this prayer. I receive the mercy of Jesus Christ. I receive the grace of Jesus Christ into my life. I know I don't deserve it, but I receive what he's giving me freely, even in this moment. Hope, forgiveness, faith, fresh understanding of who he is, love, and more mercy. Thank you, Lord. Just receive that. Pause for a minute and receive it. Let's all stand together. Let's go out with worship.
together father in jesus name we are so grateful for your kindness that leads us to repentance for your mercy you give us oh god you don't give us what we deserve in your grace you give us what we didn't earn thank you god for your kindness and your goodness your gentleness with us your gentleness as we go out this week would you give us help understanding the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside to help, that you would walk alongside us and give us and show us opportunities to extend mercy, grace, kindness, and compassion in every arena of our lives, where we live, where we work, and where we play. We honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Be blessed. Have an amazing week. Some of our team will be up front. If anyone needs prayer, we're here for you.